0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist,
1: featuring all the latest news and insight on the association.
0: Now joining the Big Show, Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck, on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: Daily Assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Let's get out to the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. From the Bleacher Report, our good friend joins us every Friday, Howard Beck. Howard, how are you? Doing
0: all right, guys. How are you?
1: Hey, we're doing great. You know, refresh the All-Star break. Do you uh, have a chance to do anything fun?
0: Um, Did I do anything fun uh, at All-Star Weekend?
1: oh well at all-star weekend with a few nights a uh, few days off i don't know did you hit the beach like most of the rest of the nba
0: um no i did not find a beach in either chicago or brooklyn so um apparently i am not as great at scheduling uh the all-star break as the players are uh but a lot of those guys who went to the beach um weren't at all-star weekend in the first place right so you know nice nice for them to just be able to take the time off um, no, I mean I was in Chicago Thursday through Monday and into the afternoon because I stayed an extra day there to go uh, speak to a uh, sports journalism class uh, taught by my good friend Jay Adande at, at Northwestern. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, I just I couldn't get enough Chicago. I just kept I just stayed extra and then came back to New York and promptly came down with this cold that you can hear in my voice.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a deep, sexy kind of thing going on there, Howard. Uh- I'd
0: like to think so. <laughs>
2: So let me ask you: we, We've been talking about the Jazz and and what to expect over these final twenty eight games. Are you expecting teams to to change from uh, you know stripes to to polka dots or anything down the stretch, or have you seen enough of each of these teams to uh, to think well that's what we're going to see more of straight through to the postseason?
0: I think it's very rare to get to this stage post All Star break and have a team become something wholly different. Um, their personalities are pretty well set. Rotations are pretty well set. The things that change, you know, generally speaking, are either injuries that you know screwed you up in the first half of the season and you get healthy and maybe you get on a run, you finally find your rhythm, or if you had a lot of new pieces, you're finding a your rhythm, or if you made a major change to the deadline. And we didn't really have a lot of, of that, you know. Um, we see the Lakers are, are going to add Marquise Morris today, which is fun because the Clippers just added Marcus Morris, and so the buyout market is is changing the the fringes of, of some team rotations. Uh, whether that becomes you know a, a, a you know critical change and how much you have to integrate those guys, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. But I think you know the pecking order is pretty well set in both conferences. I think you know we've got a pretty good handle on who's truly in this. I know that, you know, a team like, say, the Rockets really seem to to catch fire heading into the break. The Thunder have been on a really good run. Um, You know, Memphis jumping into the playoff picture. So we've had some things that that came about over the last month or so heading into the break that I think are really fascinating and uh, could influence how we view the second half, or not the second half, this last third or, or whatever the season. But... I don't expect that, you know, you know, any team is going to radically reinvent themselves. I, I, like I say, I, I think we kind of know which tiers everybody is in at this point.
1: You mentioned being in Chicago for the festivities. Uh, your overall impression, I mean, uh, to, the, to the format, to Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's performance, how was, how was the whole uh, experience?
0: Well, the game was really fun, and I've been one who's been, you know, one of the, the you know cranky old men, you know, railing about how you know it was better back in the good old days because guys played hard in, in the in the All Star game and competed, made it fun, made it look like a real game, and then in recent years it had become way too loose, way too much of a just a, a, a lob fest, and it just wasn't being taken seriously. And uh, you know, I have been all in favor of the NBA tweaking. Each of the last three years to try to find something that would get players to, uh, you know, bring a little bit more intensity, and they did. I mean, this worked. Whether it was the Elam ending, whether it was the individual quarters each having something at stake, whether it's the players just deciding to do it because that's the thing. You know, my my good friend Michael Lee at the Athletic made this point. Like, let's not go too far in crediting the, the new format. He said, he, you know, his feeling was it's the players, and he's right. But it's a psychological game. The the players know that this is not a meaningful game. They know that there's nothing truly at stake. And so whether it's format changes or whether it's just psyching yourself out with something else, it it is up to the players ultimately to decide to to, uh, raise the intensity level and play some defense and play like like the outcome matters. Um, To the extent that the NBA manipulated the the rules enough to make it feel more urgent, I, I do think it worked. And credit to the players for embracing it. Credit to the league for being willing to, to take that, that risk. Uh, I, I've, I've got really no complaints about how it played out this year. I mean, I have you know other concerns about how it might play, in future, play out in future years. The whole thing with the Elam ending and adding 24 points to the team with the higher score at the end of three, well, what if the team's already up by 20, and now the target score is, is you know, uh, uh, you know f- basically 44 points in the fourth quarter for the, for the trailing team? That's going to be tougher. You know, when it was twenty-four plus whatever, you know, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten points. Yeah, you can make that up. But if, if it's a big gap heading into the into the fourth, then I, I don't know that uh, that that's going to work quite as well. But you know, we'll we'll see. I, I thought I thought that was great. I thought that the, the game itself was fun. I thought the dunk contest was a lot of fun, despite the controversy, or maybe even because of the controversy. And that's another one where year to year. You, know, you never know if you're going to get a dunk contest that you know, is really entertaining or one that makes you think it's time to cancel the dunk contest. And um, this, was, this was a good year for the dunk contest, the, the strange judging notwithstanding.
2: Howard, uh, Rudy Gobert, 21 points and 11 boards, I think it was. Uh, is this kind of experience helpful to a player like that, a first time All Star? Or is it just an exhibition game and you get back to it and you prove yourself uh, in real competition?
0: I mean, you know, it's always good to be out there with all the other elite players in the game, and you know, I, I guess I could perversely say that this could be a bad thing for for Rudy Gobert. Uh, that chip's no longer on his shoulder. <laughs> you know, it was that was something that he could really rail about and, and uh, use as fuel to, to go, you know, wreck people uh, for the last couple of years. Now that he's got it, you know, that's that's one less. Again, as I say, guys have to find all kinds of ways to motivate themselves. Uh, even the best players in the game, it's a long season, and so you're always looking for something. You know, Rudy Gobert just lost one uh, part of his mental arsenal for uh, for psyching himself up. So um, I'm sure he'll find something else that's, that's fine. But no, nah, I mean, the game itself, the weekend itself, I think it's just fun for these guys. I think it's great for them to be around the other top players in the game. What you do in the game itself, your stat line, everything else, it doesn't really matter all that much.
1: Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty of the Zone. Howard, uh, right now, who who do you think um, has the uh, the better chance come playoff time in LA, the Clippers or the Lakers?
0: Well, I've been, <coughs> excuse me, I've consistently uh, been uh, picking the Clippers since last summer. Uh, I just think that the combination of, of you know not just Kawhi and Paul George, but that. Rotation that has so much versatility and, and depth to it, um, and has Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, this great one-two punch off the bench. You know, two guys who were the top, you know, two of the top guys in the six-man of the year race last year, including obviously Lou Williams winning it. Uh, the Lakers don't have that. They don't have that other guy who can come in and just fill it up. If somebody else, you know, if LeBron or AD were, were you know, lagging on a given night for whatever reason. They don't have that other element. They don't have that guy off the bench who, who can who can fill it up. And the Clippers have that. Then they had you know Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Um, I think that those guys, you know, they're they're good players in terms of you know you know guys who can generate some offense and give you yet more depth to get you through the rest of the regular season. I do fear that they're both ball stoppers, and that I don't know if if it's going to work out that well. You know, I mean, postseason wise, we we'll, we'll see if those guys have significant rotation roles but it does make them even deeper and they were already the deeper team of the two the Lakers it's always going to be hard to argue when you've got LeBron and and, and Anthony Davis if that's your starting point Um, my concern has generally been and now we'll see if it plays out for LeBron to have brought this team back up to this level especially defensively and playing like he's 28 again but he's 35 and it's year 17 can he sustain that through a whole season well we're down to the last 30 or so games and then there's a long playoff run, and I guess we'll find out if it's taking a toll or not. If it takes no toll, if he's able to, to just sustain this, you know, then then maybe all bets are off. Maybe it doesn't matter how much depth the, the Clippers have, because I, I I tend to think that when you get the best player in the game, you always have the advantage. And LeBron, I think, is has still got that title over everyone.
2: And is anybody in the East going to touch the Bucks, or is that sort of... Uh... The best team by far, and how do you think the bucks match up against uh, anybody like you were talking about in the West?
0: The interesting thing with the bucks is that you know if you glance at the record, if you look at net rating, they've got a massive advantage and it looks like they are like it's an insurmountable one like they they're just far and away the best team in the east. but um, I'm still not in, I'm not it's not that I'm not sold on the Bucks as a championship contender. they're they're a contender. I'm not necessarily sold on the fact that they are as dominant as they look when it comes down to a playoff series because teams are going to have to to go after Giannis. They're going to do everything they can to try to throttle him. And when he is your best scorer and your best playmaker and when everything begins and ends with him and you don't have another star who can really initiate, you know, Chris Middleton's a good player. He's an all-star. But he's not a guy you're game-planning for. He's not a guy who who you have to single-handedly worry about wrecking you the way that, you know, the LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade uh, one-two punch or LeBron and Anthony Davis or Kawhi and Paul George. Like, Middleton's not at that level. So they don't have a, se- a second guy who um, can take some of that burden off of Giannis, and Giannis' jump shot is still a work in progress, too. So there are ways to play him to keep him out of the paint, keep him from driving, make him more of a shooter, and now what do the Bucks do? Plus, some of their key supporting guys are guys that have, you know, spotty playoff records. So I think I think they can be beaten. I'm not predicting that they will, but I think they can be. And I think teams like Boston, that have multiple guys—Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker—Toronto um, is still really potent. Miami's intriguing. Um, Philly's weird, but they're you know, but they've got some punch. Um, I think those teams are still in it. I, I you know, I, I don't think it's an absolute given that the Bucks come out of the East.
1: Howard, as always, thank you very, very much, and uh, we'll catch you next week.
0: Appreciate it, fellas. Talk to you then.
1: Yeah, thanks, Howard. Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report. Hope he's feeling better. Yeah, man, stinks to come down with the cold. What's your what's Chicago your... can be uh, rather frigid. Well, I heard somebody saying the other day with windchill it was like six below or Oof. something like that. Yeah, no man. thanks. Uh, what's your go-to cold remedy? Oh, I don't know. Uh, don't they say vitamin C? Sure. I just didn't know if, you know, you had something you, you did or or something you went with. You just... I got no magic potion. No. All right.